Hi, and welcome to Film Forums. I'm Richard Williams, creator of this platform, a place dedicated to the filmmaking community. We interview members of the film industry to find out what it really takes to make a movie, bring a script to screen, or secure their acting role. If that sounds good to you, please subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on your favourite podcasting platform. Thank you. Hi there, welcome to Film Forums. My name is Aisha Bailey and I have with me a co-host today um, for our interview. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Millie Hayward and I'm a scriptwriting student. And also we have a special guest with us. Could you introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, my name is uh, Dan Mazer and I'm a director and screenwriter, I suppose, broadly. <laughs> you suppose, I love that. <laughs> How humble. We've seen your credits now. <laughs> So. Oh, sorry about that. I can only apologise. <laughs> um, not the actual films, just the credits. It's the best way. So what we'll do is we'll kick off with a little bit about your background, because obviously you're the person that our audience is here to see. It's unfortunately not myself or Millie. Um, so why don't you tell us how you got into filmmaking in the first place? Basically, I sort of ended up in filmmaking by a sort of happy accident. I wasn't in any sense a kind of determined from the age of eight to be the next Stanley Kubrick. Um, I always liked comedy. I always liked writing. And it just sort of happened iteratively and incrementally, I would say. So I always knew I wanted to write comedy, do comedy. I, in my younger years, I was a a very average stand-up comedian. Um, I was fortunate enough to go to Cambridge. And the reason I wanted to go to Cambridge University was to join uh, a little organisation called The Footlights, who are a sort of comedy club who have spawned Monty Python, Stephen Fry, Peter Cook, Dudley Moore, uh, Richard Iowadi, John Oliver, um, Mitchell and Webb, all sorts of people. So it's a sort of, you know, it's basically a sort of comedy university. And um, and it's where I wanted to go and learn my trade. So when I was at Cambridge, um, I joined Footlights, uh, performed lots there, wrote lots there and kind of honed my comedy craft. From there, I then went in and worked on TV and wrote for TV uh, and knew Sasha Baron Cohen from, we were at school together, um, so I'd known him since I was 11. We then, you know, went on to work together um, on Ali G for the 11 o'clock show. Then he had his own show on Channel 4. Then somebody asked us to write a film, uh, an Ali G film, and I'd never written a film before I thought it was something that was absolutely beyond my capabilities and if you see that film you may consider that it absolutely was that film made my my teen years so I'm glad I, I'm glad I provided some kind of solace in the difficult time so um and so that basically was our way into film and once I made that film I wrote that and produced that I then became a, a screenwriter, moved on and, and it started writing in Hollywood and America and doing various bits and pieces, um, writing different scripts. And then uh, through that process, other people were directing my scripts and sometimes that was good and sometimes that was bad. So I thought, having been on set quite a lot, you know what, There's, I thought you had to be kind of a, a, an incredible auteur with wonderful vision and just kind of preternatural ability, unlike most mere mortals, in order to be a director. And actually, sort of most directors were just sort of terrible hacks who just went, oh, yeah, stick the camera there, there, and didn't really know what they were doing. So I thought, well, I can be a terrible hack 
as well, if that's all it takes, um, and basically wrote a script for working title um, uh, called I Give It a Year, which I decided I wanted to direct uh, and went ahead and did that and loved it and enjoyed the whole process and the creative challenges that that brought on. And from that point on, um, I've sort of split my time between writing and directing. And bizarrely, that's the uh, whilst I've written movies in that time and directed movies in that time, I haven't written and directed uh, my own script since then. And I, I'm not really quite sure why I haven't done that, but um, you know, I'd like to. So basically, since that, since then, uh, which was 2014, I've directed four other movies. Uh, I've written probably three other movies and split my time between the two. Wow, that's a, such a journey. It's really, really cool to hear how you've come up and especially that you, you know, you, you knew which genre you loved and you you stuck with it in both sides, you know, whether you were directing or, or writing as well. Um, where do you pull your inspiration from when you're coming up with a script idea? It depends. It's, there's two ways of going about it. Sometimes people come at you with an idea and then say, we've got this Will you write a script about it and adapt it? In which case, then that's quite easy. And and you know whether it's a, you know Bridget Jones, somebody says we want the third Bridget Jones, so you know what you're doing there. Or um, for example, now I'm writing an adaptation of a of a, a a sort of video game thing, so that's a you know property that's there. But when when I'm coming out with original ideas. It tends to be, it's that old adage that probably your English teacher taught you at school, which is write what you know, um, which I think is is probably true. So, you know, I give it a year, for example, was based on that was sort of the time when I was watching lots of friends get married and sort of going, well, this is a disastrous marriage. This will never work. Let's, you know, what would happen in the rom-com version of, you know, after the wedding when it all goes wrong. And so, I, you know, so that was my inspiration for that. And uh, then I wrote another script about a destination wedding because I had a destination wedding and I, lots of things kind of went wrong there. And I thought that would be funny. Um, so it, it's generally sort of real life that that provides my inspiration. And even in sort of bigger things like, uh, you know, even when you're writing Bridget Jones in terms of individual jokes or I wrote a movie called Office Christmas Party, individual jokes and scenes, they come from people, you know, or things that you've witnessed. So my I always say that my my mind is it's it, you know footballers their bodies are trained to play football and that's how they're honed and sprinters sprint and my mind from since from a very young age has just been trained to see the funny in things to probably an annoying extent if you're my wife or my family it's just like well I don't see that's why do you laugh why is it always laugh? why do you laugh at that that's not funny I'm just like you know not everything's a joke but to me sort of that's the muscle in my brain that works best and is, is 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 most well defined so um it's just it, you know it's always kind of on the on the lookout for material and jokes and funny things that's fantastic to hear do you have any advice for um sort of script writers trying to get into the industry as well i think there's two things i would say is just write 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 keep writing the brilliant thing about writing is that it costs nothing. It's you and a laptop. It's, you know, that's the advantage you have as a screenwriter that a director doesn't have or an actor doesn't have. An actor, you've got to be given a job or work and somebody's got to go around and film you and you have to have a script. And as a director, you've got to have a script and then you've got to have equipment. As a screenwriter, all you need is a laptop and some ideas. So keep writing. 
and you will get better. It's that Malcolm Gladwell philosophy of 10,000 hours. And you might think your first script is really great, but unless you are a ridiculous prodigy, it probably isn't. It's probably terrible and keep writing. Um, allied to that, get it out there, take feedback. Let's, lots of people read it. And it's, you know, it's mortifying uh, to show people your stuff. It's, it's, I still hate it. I hate people showing edits. Uh, I hate showing people edits. I hate sharing my script to anybody and showing it. And it's nerve wracking even now when you hand in a draft of something. But feedback is always incredibly important. And, you know, the flip side of that thing about it being you, you and a computer is that it's a very solitary, lonely craft. So um, the more feedback you can get on your things, the better. Try and get them performed or read. So even a, a you know a read through with actors around a table will just tell you so much about the script. So every time I write a script, as soon as I have a first draft ready, I will get uh, I will get a read through around a table. And sometimes it's great actors who do it. Sometimes it's terrible actors who do it, or you know just kind of jobbing actors. But hearing it read aloud you'll get to hear the rhythms, you'll know what's not right, you'll see what's slow, you'll see what's fast, you'll see what's unnecessary, you'll see what's funny, what's unfunny, um, what's brilliant. And so absolutely, that's a really crucial part of the process. I think there's very, very underrated. Always try and hear it aloud because it just comes alive and you, you know how you think of it in your head will be different to how it sounds when it's read out. So that's really important. And I would also say, just try and be different. Try and be unusual. Try and uh, don't try and do a thing. This it's like this, you know. It's like Goodfellas. It's like Jurassic Park. It's like well, you know. Try and be, be original and unique. And the reason I'm whatever I am now, however successful, or managed to make a career in it, is, is because when Sasha and I started doing Ali G and Borat, there was nothing like it. And whether it was good or whether it was bad or whatever, you know, there was no reason we should be seen as screenwriters because we weren't. But we did something that broke through because it was different. It made a noise. It felt radical. It felt revolutionary. It felt new. And that sounds slightly grandiose, but um, maybe not revolutionary. I'll take that revolutionary. Um, uh, it felt radical. So, but that's what helped it break through and helps you get noticed. So, writing a thing that's a bit like the thing that was just popular is uh, is a fool's errand i think because there's going to be a thousand other people doing that because they've seen that so try you know if everyone's going left you go right if everyone's saying black you go white try and do something that that feels different and unique yeah amazing a fantastic answer there definitely um i just also wanted to ask because you spoke there a little bit about you know getting readers together and hearing it out loud how do you go about reaching out to actors, you know, and, and pulling them into your network so that you can, even if they're not the ones that are cast in the final film, um, you know, how would people get involved in something like that? Well, to, in my experience, there's no shortage of people who want to be actors or who think they can be actors. Um, they, they, they are not in short supply. Um, and uh, I think in the most sort of basic terms, you know, go to the local drama school go to the, you know, ring up an agent, a local agent and say, look, I just want to do this. Uh, are there actors, you know, and actors similarly are desperate to do stuff. Um, so it's not, you know, and, you know, I'm not suggesting you get Ian McKellen and Chris Hemsworth to do it. You can just get anyone. And, you know, I've done that before. I was making a film, the film that's just about to come out called The Exchange in Canada. And we we're in Ottawa and I was in pre-production in Ottawa and Ottawa is the middle of nowhere in Canada. and I just got the local like amateur dramatic 
people to come and sit around a table and do a read through. And some of them were good, some of them were terrible. Um, uh, but it didn't matter because hearing it was great. So it could be as simple as that. You know, if you're living in Aberystwyth, call up Aberystwyth Drama School or Aberystwyth Amateur Dramatic Society, and I guarantee you there'll be people very happy for a moment of attention, spotlight, and whatever. And they'll be thinking, well, this can lead to. Um, you know, somebody's there and it's going to be a movie and I'll be the next movie star. And and so it's, it's entirely mutually beneficial. So your recent project, The Exchange, um, are you able to tell us a little bit about what it's about and also how you got the other actors to come on board with that project? My agent sent me a script. I was looking to do something um, a bit more indie and kind of sort of gritty and lower budget uh not such a kind of mainstream studio comedy having come off the back of like three or four bigger movies and uh got a script uh not written by me written by um an amazingly funny writer called tim long who's been writing for the simpsons for 20 years he's like one of the you know main simpsons guys and so obviously hugely funny uh read the script Fell in love with it. Basically, it's a true story from Tim, sort of based on a true story about when he was living in the middle of nowhere in Canada in a small town and thought he was kind of more sophisticated and needed kind of to broaden his horizons. And his school had uh, a French exchange program. And he essentially uh, applied to it, was expecting to get a kind of Baudelaire reading, Sartre-loving, sophisticate to arrive. And basically, he got... Uh, a sort of French Algerian uh, sex obsessed rap loving chain smoking vaguely pervy teen to to come into his house who basically sort of slept his way around his small town and kind of ruined his dreams but obviously through the you know process they learned to uh, you know, love each other and learn from each other and bring each other life lessons um, and it's brilliantly funny very touching and in terms of you know getting actors on board, it's that traditional process. You know, it's um get a casting agent, casting agent sends it out to agents, and you you know audition various people. You know, it was, it, the, the the trick in this one was to find the um, the the Stefan character, who's the you know the French kid, uh, and we auditioned all around Europe and North Africa, and eventually found uh, bizarrely a, a, a somebody who whose girlfriend I had met on a previous film and I remember him coming to, to set and being very funny and very talented called Avan Jogia and um, he was just amazing as a Stefan and came in the room and kind of nailed it and so you know the agents ring around and sort that out and, and as soon as people know there is a movie that's been as they say green lit then kind of actors tend to come to you. Talk to you about this exchange program. Wow. Super way to make friends, learn about the world. I'm here with Tim Long, awaiting the arrival of a young man from Paris. Tim Long. Bonjour. Hello. So, so beautiful. It's really cool that you were looking specifically, you know, for someone of North African descent as well. I'm I'm half North African, half Scottish. Um, yeah, that's hence the funny name. Um, in terms of like the the other side as well, like with um, you know, treatments and log lines and stuff, kind of the more I would say less exciting writing 
How do you approach that? So two different things. They're two different parts of the process, really, which is log line is essentially your your pitch. That's your idea. And that's, you know, uh, you know, it's your paragraph of this is what the movie is in a nutshell. Are you interested? That really is just having a brilliant, pure idea that generally in the world of comedy has to be quite high concept. And you should just be excited about that paragraph. It's, you know, you know, if it's Jurassic Park, it's, you know, dinosaurs come back to life in a theme park. That's like, oh, great. I get it. Brilliant. Fantastic. I love it. Um, and so, um, you know, generally for sort of the bigger commercial movies, that's you want those two sentences that can say what your your movie is. Then, that, you know, then hopefully once you've interested someone in that, then you move on to the treatment. And the treatment is essentially the movie. And that's the most difficult thing to write because essentially you're writing a movie so people say to you okay oh, you just come up with a treatment and you go well that means can you come up with a movie you need three acts you need characters you need tone you need jokes you need, you know all that sort of stuff and and that's that's you know a lot of the legwork and, and what i find annoying about a, a treatment is a how work, work intensive it is um and you really have to think it through but b they're slightly, well, in my particular uh, 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 example, and uh, I must stress that every writer is entirely different. And that's the, you know, I'm sure you found this in the, in the, in your, you know, in your podcast is that um, everybody has a completely different process. And I can talk for myself, but it's, you know, it, it, I, you know, the writer next to me will have a completely different way of working. But to me, uh, a treatment is slightly annoying because it's almost not worth the paper it's written on because I tend to find that as soon as I start writing, then a million different ideas, the, the ideas that I had in the treatment will come to me and I'll want to throw the treatment away because I think this idea is newer and better. And that's the sort of the, the, the weird sort of paradox and craziness of writing is that on any, you know, and we've all done it, you, you, you sit down and on any given day you have an idea or you, you, you extrapolate upon an idea and you write it down and you think this is brilliant. And that's just that moment in time. That's just what you've thought of then. And then the next day you come back at it and think this is the worst thing ever. Uh, I've got to rip it up and start again. And that's the beauty of writing is the, is the fact that you can start again and, and reinvent it and nothing's set in stone. And at the same time, the misery of writing is that nothing is set in stone and the possibilities in it are infinite. That's great advice. Thank you. I know with um, treatments for me, I sometimes I struggle so much sometimes and with ideas sometimes you think it's the best idea in the world and it's the best day ever and then two days later you go back to the idea and it's sort of the worst day in the world but no great thank you and the truth is it's it's probably neither it's probably somewhere in the middle and it's and you know the other thing is as well about writing and ideas it's it's all execution that's the that's the the crazy thing so you can have the best idea in the world and you know, and I've I've read scripts where you know people have said this is this is the idea, and you go, oh, that sounds amazing. I would love that. It's a brilliant idea. And then you read that how it's been executed and realised, and you go, well, that you've ruined that idea. It's terrible because at the core, you've had a brilliant idea and you've had a brilliant thought, but it's just gone in completely the wrong direction. So, you know, and again, you know, the beauty of writing is that you can stop, start, reinvent throw bits away, start again, all of that sort of stuff. It's you know, nothing is permanent. It's just, you know, it's, 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 um, it's just, you know, it's ink on, ink on a page. So you can just start again. It's not like when you, that's the difference I find between writing and directing the completely different challenges where as a director, 
you've got a day in a location or on a scene or on a set or whatever, and whatever you shoot, that's it. You're done. You know, six o'clock comes around. That's it. The end. You've got to make the best of it. How you know if you've shot it badly, if the actors have acted badly, if you haven't, if you've made a mistake, you've got to live with it and edit it and make it work. Uh, you know, if, if you're right, if you have a bad day writing, you just go back the next day and 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 do it again. So they they you know they couldn't be more different as as processes. What you envision as a writer may not be what comes out you know when the film's made because the director puts their vision on it as well, and then the editor also. Um, so it can it can end up being quite a different product. Um, one of the screenwriters that we had on the show, she said one thing that she recommends um, for people to do is read a script, you know, that has already been produced, read the script. And as you kind of visualise it when you're reading it, then go watch the film and see how different they are. And I thought that that was really interesting because it, there's such uh, influence that comes in the production process as well. Yeah, I mean, that's a brilliant idea. Look, we've all had it with books that we've loved and we've read and then they've been adapted and you go, he doesn't look like that. That house doesn't look like that. You've, you know, you've ruined it. And, you know, and on other occasions you've gone, oh my God, that's so much better than I ever could imagine. You've, you know, you've elevated it. You know, that's the process that, that, that a writer goes through, which is half the reason I decided I wanted to direct because you're just in, you know, in charge of your own destiny then. Yeah, absolutely. I can imagine that maybe even is quite painful sometimes when you see, you know, the, the vision that you had in the screenwriting process and then it be completely changed in the production. Um, so do you think that that's something that you'll explore then is writing something that you then direct also? Yeah, I've, d- yeah, I've done that a couple of times um, and I've really enjoyed that. Uh, the problem is not the problem, but the when you do that, it's essentially three and a half years of your life all on one project. You know, because for the time you've you know written it, gone through various drafts, got the script to a point where it's ready to shoot. Then you cast it, then you shoot it then you edit it, then you release it and promote it and, you know, watch what happens to it. That, you know, that's easily three, three and a half years. And that's a, you know, that's a long time. And, you know, the thing about movies is nobody knows how it's going to turn out. And, you know, you think you've made the best thing in the world and it just disappears without trace or you make something that you think is average and people love it. So there's, you know, the one thing I've learned in 20 odd years is you can't predict at all how how anything is going to be received whether it's a script that you write that you've, you're really proud of and you've handed to the studio and the producer and you think this is great they're just going to green light it straight away and they just go no don't like it to you know to a film that you've made that you think is you know, oscar worthy and will cement your reputation as an author forever and it just kind of disappears without trace so um it's uh it's a very sort of precarious and capricious business that's great yeah because i know that filmmaking is like you never really realize how much of a long journey it is like three years is a long time um but with so directing is is there some sort of piece of advice you give to sort of directors wanting to sort of show their work or get out there into the world well i think the thing about directing uh is you know it's it's tougher to you know, get out there and get your work out there than it is as a, as a writer for the reasons I talked about. But sort of the, the, you know, the same rules apply, which is um, what what is great that exists now and has a, you know, potentially limitless reach is, of course, the internet. And, uh, you know, I know directors who have made a short or made a sketch 
or you know had a couple of clips uh or just you know created something that's gone viral um shot on a phone shot on whatever and that's made their reputations because again it's you know it's broken through it's caused it you know it's, it's it's garnered attention it's got views and people have said wow i love that person i you know i'd love to see what they can do next and thrown a script or something that way um so i think it's it's again it's going out there just shooting 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 rope your mates in uh do it with animation do it with whatever but just you know get your voice out there show what abilities you've got and post it put it on the internet and if it's great it, you know it will find a way out there and people will watch it fantastic also i just wanted to, to talk about you know because you were talking about this film how you were looking to do something a bit more indie you know with your you know directing and production side of things um what kind of decisions did you make as a director that would kind of help to keep your budget down? Well, um, I mean, the decisions aren't really, the decisions are sort of forced on you as a director because, you know, you say you want to, to, to do something indie and they say this is your budget and you always say, well, I want more and I want a crane and I want a thousand extras as opposed to 300. And I want, you know, and so you're always trying to push it further and, and do it more. So, but you're obviously made aware of your constraints by your producer so it's really just um a case of, of of trying to make things more intimate um uh in terms of your you know your your sets uh you think about the scale there and work out well, how can i shoot this in a way that makes 200 extras look like a thousand and it, it's just you know, it's budget. It's it's just annoying budgetary considerations more than anything else. Uh, and you know, and you shoot somewhere like Ottawa, where um, your money goes further than it does in Hollywood or New York or or London, uh, and you get your tax breaks there. Uh, and then you you know you have your stars, but then you you know find interesting, funny local actors who are you know kind of slightly undiscovered gems. Uh, which is which was a real treat and really lovely to do. Um, you say I don't want a trailer or an assistant because you can you could put those that money into you know, on screen. Uh, so it just makes you you know it's funny. I then went from that to the movie that I'm directing now, which had a budget ten times as much as the uh, movie that I've uh, the, the, the exchange and. Even on that, you just go, well, I want more money and I want more extras and I want more this and I want more that. So it's, you know, it it's it's the story is exactly the same, regardless of how big your budget is, essentially. That, you know, it's sort of a director's job to always push for more and bigger and better and see how far the budget can go and 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 ask people to stretch it. So it's it's just you just it's just a different paradigm, essentially. Yeah, no, fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. Well, great. It's been a, a total pleasure to meet you both. Thank you very much for uh, chatting to me and uh, good luck with everything. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on your favourite podcasting platform. Visit film-forums.com for more.